Hi there, and welcome to the Eat Your Greens podcast. I'm your host, Maya Lopin, and I'm here to deliver you your regular fix of greens through insightful interviews with experts and wonderful, passionate people in the field of environmental sustainability. Whether you are an expert yourself or just looking for some friendly background conversation while you go about your day, tune into these episodes to learn more about some current amazing people and initiatives tackling environmental issues. Who knows, maybe you'll hear something you like and be inspired to take on a project of your own. Welcome to Eat Your Greens, the first step towards making a difference. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 19 of the Eat Your Greens podcast. I'm here today with Tomo Hamakawa. Tomo is the co-founder of Earth Company, a pioneering social enterprise with roots spanning Japan and Indonesia. He has dedicated his career to driving positive change and nurturing transformative solutions to some of our world's most pressing challenges. Grounded in a deep commitment to sustainability, Earth Company operates on multiple fronts, offering support to changemakers, spearheading inspiring educational initiatives, providing expert consulting services, and managing the revolutionary Mana Earthly Paradise Eco Hotel in Ubud, Bali. Tomo also received a master's degree in public policy from Harvard University, which enriches his perspective, daily work, and social impact. Welcome, Tomo. So happy to be speaking with you today. Thank you so much for having me, Maya. Pleasure to be here. I'm curious to know what inspired you to found Earth Company. What led you to start this uh, enterprise of yours? Sure. Um, So my wife, Asuka, and I started Earth Company back in 2014. So almost 10 years ago. Uh, we started Earth Company because we wanted to support amazing, inspiring change makers. And we both um, supported uh, inspiring change makers. And we really thought that you know, it was the right time to set up an organization to support these people whom we call impact heroes today. Um, and so it was really, you know, the impact hero stuff that led us to start Earth Company, uh, all the other stuff around Impact Academy and Mana Earthly Paradise came much later. And so we are inspired by people taking action, people walking the talk. And so we support them, uh, impact heroes, we call them for three years. Uh, we do everything and anything we can over those three years, including fundraising, marketing support, uh, business development. Um, and then, yeah, so we've been doing that for about 10 years and, you know, across the Asia Pacific from Afghanistan to the West to kind of the you know, Pacific Islands to the East. And we don't have a specific um, sector or geography. We're looking for amazing life purpose, life mission. Uh, yeah, and so it started off just supporting these uh, change makers. And then later on, we started Impact Academy, which is more of an educational kind of leadership development program targeting schools and companies. And then we wanted to um, have our own place to host these kinds of programs in Bali. And that's how MANA came about later on in about 2019. So that's a very short story of the last several years. Amazing. So you're essentially there to provide support and to um, 
as you said, fundraising, marketing, and those kinds of services to change makers. Mm-hmm. Um, and on your site, it mentions that you primarily do this through, you know, education, consulting, and working closely with people. What does this look like, you know, on a daily day, day-to-day basis for uh, you and your clients? Um, yeah, so the more the educational and kind of consulting is more for through our Impact Academy work. Um, but okay. what we do through Impact Heroes and Impact Academy, I would say, are very similar in many ways. Um, we're looking at empowering people, uh, good people who are doing uh, solid work. And so through our Impact Heroes work, we, we start off from needs assessments, um, trying to understand what they, where they are and what they need. And then really, you know, walking along with them um, to, and so, so it's almost like coaching uh, in a sense that we set goals together and then we help them where uh, help is needed. And then for our Impact Academy program, we run you know, programs, um, some as short as a few hours uh, to others that are long as, you know, two weeks. And so the, the in-person programs in Bali would be, you know, for typically we would be doing like, a, let's say, a four-day program in Bali um, focused on sustainability. And so they would stay at our eco-hotel in Ubud. Uh, and then during the day, we would go explore different sustainability pioneers uh, in Bali, and then uh, stimulate discussions around, you know, what is sustainability, what is waste, you know, what is whatever, right? Um, and kind of engaging kind of deeper conversations around what kind of world we want to create. And also, a lot of our clients are outside of Bali. Uh, that means it's, you know, they fly in from different areas of the world. And it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of taking a step back from their from their own day-to-day realities, day-to-day work. And so it's a good way to reflect on their life and their, their work. And so, okay. yeah, that's a typical program that we would run. And are there any specific projects that, you know, you hold dear to your heart or that were particularly meaningful to you? Um, yeah, they're all very quite impactful um, to varying degrees. Um, we, you know, the one, we, we worked with this, um, group called Waisili, the young social, young Southeast Asia leadership initiative, which is a U.S. government program, um, that supports, um, Southeast Asian leaders across the region. Um, and we hosted, uh, co-hosted a program in Bali back in 2019. So before the pandemic, uh, and we had about 55 eco entrepreneurs, so environmental entrepreneurs from around the region, uh, all very, you know, pretty young, um, kind of uh, early on in their journeys with big aspirations from, I think it was 10 different countries um, from around the region. Um, and so that was a really very intense, uh, energizing you know, program where we where we got to also meet amazing social entrepreneurs, um, and then the participants also got to exchange uh, and also to collaborate on different fronts. So that was, and it was also memorable because we were just 
uh, we were actually building our hotel Mana. So it was still kind of partially a construction site, um, but we also got <laughs> to host a, host a session. Um, and then, uh, yeah, got to kind of showcase Mana um, in its uh, kind of opening phase. And this is before the pandemic kind of shut down everything. So yeah, that was a memorable one for me. Yeah, awesome. And it sounds like you're creating this space for collaboration as well by bringing together um, different or people working on different projects. Yeah. And that sounds like a super cool space for innovation and, and to take yeah. things forward, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We do that actually every year with our Impact Heroes program. And so we select one per year as like the winner, but we also have a cohort. So we select about 10 finalists who whom we support for about a year. And we bring them to Bali. Um, and that happens in April. So in a couple of months time, we'll have about 10 people from different parts of the Asia Pacific flying into Bali, stay for a few days for kind of a boot camp um, to share their life stories, to explore collaboration, and for us to also better understand, you know, who they are and where they come from so we can also support them. So I think that kind of community building and fostering collaboration is a, is a huge part of our work in, in across all everything that we do. Yeah, and I'm just curious from your background, like what kind of approach do you take um, in your consulting, for example, mm. to help people, you know, identify their goals and, and move forward in a sustainable manner? Like what what is your vision or your general like guiding values, I guess, when you're working with people and how did you build those mm. from throughout your career? Yeah, um, I think the way we support people um, is kind of a, I guess, more cliche. It's, it's really an empowering process, right? Um, and I think sustainability and kind of environmental NGOs got a bad rep, probably in the 80s, 90s, and probably in the noughties. Um, uh, just because there was a lot of the, a lot of environmental NGOs take a critical approach to how companies are run or how, you know, how the world is operating and I think that that critical attitude that approach is effective in in some cases uh, but in other cases it actually leads to you know antagonization or alienation and it actually you know div it creates divisions when we need to actually create um, more integration and and you kind of unifying approaches to sustainability. And so f f our approach is in some, some ways, you know, opposite is to really kind of embrace people uh, and understand where they are right now. And I think, you know, uh, people often say sustainability is a journey and I, I really think that is the case. Uh, wherever their baseline is, it's really trying to go up, right? And so w whether you're starting from zero or five or 10, you know, whatever kind of assessment that you use. And I think it's, you know, no matter how great of a company that you run, there's plenty of room to improve and to make progress. And so to me, it's, it's really not about, you know, shaming or criticizing. It's really about figuring out where you want to be as, as an individual, as a leader, um, as well as, as an organization and figure out how to get to those um, kind of milestones ahead. 
Yeah, and I think what you mentioned about not shaming is super important. Mm. Um, I think too often we look towards pointing fingers and you know blaming each other, or blaming different organizations for what's happening to the environment when really we should. It's in our best interest to just work together to find solutions, and yeah. we don't we don't really need to decide. Oh, you're to blame, or you are more to blame, but yeah. we just need to you know, take that like mature and, and collaborative approach forward. And I think that's a super good point um, mm. that you made. And um, you describe Mana Earthly Paradise as, you know, a next generation hotel, and it's built mm. a- around the concept of sustainability and circularity. Mm. Um, so what are some of the, you know, key sustainable practices that you've implemented and how do they contribute right. to this sustainability? Yeah, um, thanks for that question. Um, so we, I mean, at MANA, there are probably four or five big categories of sustainability measures. Um, and I think they apply to all kinds of hospitality businesses. So one around energy, two around water, uh, three around waste management, four around how the, the buildings are built, so around the design. Uh, and also, fifth is about how you act as more of a platform to collaborate with other people or to invite other people to use your facilities and things like that. Um, and for us, and I, I, I often say that about, about, about MANA, is a, any one of these things is not that innovative, like using solar power or using rainwater harvesting, having a permaculture garden. Like any one of these things is not that innovative. Like these are done all around the world by different people. And what makes us a little bit unique is that we're doing kind of everything together. We're bundling these measures in one place. And that's I think that's pretty unique. And so going back to what we do, so energy, so we have we use solar panels, um, trying we're not off-grid by any means, so we're, we use a hybrid approach. So we have you know solar power to um, to power the light, the lighting, um, but we also use regular grid electricity for like things like kitchen appliances, uh, also to power our laptops if we want to use them. Um, in terms of water, we do rainwater catchment. Um, we also have a backup well in case the you know there's a there's no rain for for weeks. Um, we also work with uh, you know to reduce waste. Uh, we also work with a local waste management company to to recycle as much as possible. We use bamboo for uh, bamboo, earth bag, and also reclaim wood for our buildings. Um, and so it has a pretty low impact, low carbon impact. Um, and then the last thing is is around you know partnering with different um, companies in terms of procurement, in terms of, you know, partnerships. We often, you know, um, collaborate with other organizations to host events to raise awareness around tourism or for, you know, women's empowerment, um, things like that. So those are probably, yeah, uh, several measures that we we do at MANA. Yeah, interesting. And I noted that um, you mentioned that it's not, you know, uh, or it's like a hybrid approach yeah. And you have all five of these, you know, uh, categories that you're working in. And I think 
a lot of the time in when we're trying to promote sustainability, we have this idea of perfection that we need to achieve mm-hmm. when really it's just doing the best that we can in each of those categories. And that would already make so much change. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, why do you believe that you know most hotels continue to operate unsustainably or don't kind of take the same approach as Mana? Is, is it, do you think it's viable for hotels to operate in this way? Yeah, I think that's a probably a million dollar question in the hotel industry <laughs> yeah um and i do think the hotel industry or hospitality industry is one of the slower moving industries in terms of sustainability and there are probably a few reasons um one is because it's it's an entertainment industry right right so it's people are people won't have fun um, if especially people who are coming to Bali from I don't know halfway around the world, they want to have a good time, and the you know their concerns around sustainability or in the environment or social justice are probably secondary tertiary for most people, right? And so in that sense, it's you know it's kind of similar to like the sports industry or the gambling industry, and so having fun is probably the primary goal in for most people. And that's changing, of course. The other thing is for hotels. Um, the, the, the if you want to go beyond the basics of eliminating plastic straws and you know water bottles uh, and things like that, you have to uh, spend resources uh, in changing the way you know. the energy is used, the water is consumed, all these things. And so it does take resources and it takes commitments, right? And often it's about retrofitting your your buildings. Uh, And so uh, when something like the pandemic happens, these things uh, will take, you know, take kind of become kind of a back burner uh, task because a lot of you know for the last few years hotels were trying to survive and so they didn't have extra resources to invest in you know sustainability practices and so yeah that's probably another thing the third thing is the um, kind of the certification uh, or awareness around sustainability is quite low um, and that has to do one probably in terms of how the sort of the kind of hotel and tourism certification is a bit fragmented uh, there are existing certifications but the uh, I do think the visibility or awareness level of these certifications are quite low and so the the incentive to to get certified uh, and to go through these checklists is is not as high as maybe other, uh, industries. So those are probably a few reasons that I could think of. Yeah. And, um, you mentioned spending resources. There's this cost of like transitioning, I guess, from Mm -hmm. operating as they do now to operating more sustainably, whether that's changing the source of their energy, uh, or things like that. Um, and then the certification as well. That's a good point. And so if you were looking to, you know, support the transition of hotels to becoming more sustainable, what are the steps you would take? Would it, I assume, something about certifications and increasing their accessibility? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, for us, it was, it was an advantage starting a hotel from scratch. Right. Because we could design it. 
in a sustainable way. Um, it was not adv- advantageous for us to start right before the pandemic. Um, <laughs> yeah. We started at the worst time ever. And so that's not something I would recommend to anyone. <laughs> no, one, no one had the for- foresight, of course. Um, yeah. In terms of wh- how hotels or hospitality business can change, I do think that, you know, in, for any industry, it's really about doing an assessment of what you have done and what you haven't done. And there are, there are a lot of you know, checklists out there um, or even doing kind of an assessment of your environmental impact. Um, I think before you can even start reducing uh, your you know, carbon footprint, you need to measure, you need to understand the current situation. So a lot of these certifications are helpful in that in, in trying to get a, the current snapshot of where you are. Uh, and I think those, you know, those the categories of things that I mentioned in terms of energy, water, waste, uh, food consumption, things like that are are definitely at the top of at, at the top of that list. I think. Okay. And do do you engage with local communities in Bali at all, or is that something that you'd like to work towards? Yeah, I mean, the f- the very first thing is that we actually have an agreement with the local village um in bali there's a there's an administrative unit called banjar which is actually uh it's kind of in english it will be a sub village so it's actually below the village level uh, we have an agreement with the banjar to actually employ uh, about 40 percent of our staff uh, locally and so and oh, okay. we, we try to stick to that um and so a lot of our you know ground staff including you know security our service staff our housekeeping uh they actually come from from kind of walking distance from from our hotel and restaurant and so that's a huge contribution and also uh, engagement with the community um and i do think it's a win-win relationship for us like the the happier the village is with us being part of their village the happier we are as a business uh and and i think especially in a place like bali where you know respect for tradition and you know uh, relationship with the community is so important and I, i do think we benefit from that that kind of positive relationship I think the other ways in which we engage with the community is um, is you know trying to basically improve how tourism is done, and I think I think that's something we can do more. Uh, there are some groups that are trying to you know uh, unite to integrate uh, these different efforts that are happening on the island towards sustainable practices um and so we you know we as uh as a a very small business is really a drop right a tiny drop in the ocean of bali tourism and so what we can affect or influence um is small in terms of direct impact you know in terms of the number of people that you know like that would stay at our hotel or that come to our restaurant to eat or to you know, number of people who shop at our, you know, conscious store. These these numbers are, are tiny compared to big properties on the island. But I do think we can become you know uh, one example, uh, one source of inspiration to to you know to think that you know tourism doesn't have to be uh, 
exploitative, doesn't have to be extractive, and there is a way to make it circular and even regenerative so that, you know, the more, the more we thrive as a business, the more we can, you know, give back to the community or the environment and, and everyone that, we, that comes in touch with us. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's amazing. And um, local engagement is something that I, from my experience, is really overlooked in sustainability. Um, mm-hmm. But as you mentioned, especially for the tourism industry, I think it's so important that we work with local communities and have this cross-cultural understanding. Um, mm-hmm. As you said, this like positive relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's something that's really often overlooked, but that we should work on when we're trying to make sustainable initiatives and um especially when i don't know if we're trying to simultaneously help uh development in that region then Mm. you know providing jobs as you do stimulates their economy rather than just you know handing out free things um actually providing that long-term employment long-term stability uh, and Mm. creating that connection between people i think is super important yeah, yeah, for sure. And I guess the another way to that I, I forgot to mention is really partnering with other sustainability you know, oriented organizations on the islands. Um, and that's mainly through our um, impact, impact Academy programs or even like retreats that happen at MANA. We say, look, like MANA is one example. There, there are many others that are doing amazing work. And so we actually, you know, and promote other organizations or actually bring them to, to different sites. Um, you know, that might be, you know, regenerative farming with a group called Austin Caraway or doing a river cleanup with uh, Sungai Watch or visiting um, an organization called Copernic to understand how, you know, R&D side of poverty reduction is done or going to, you know, green school, uh, which is kind of quite well known as a as you know, as a pioneer in environmental education so there's so many great examples on the islands uh and then uh yeah if we can create an ecosystem you know among these players i think that would it would be in the interest of you know not just us but also people visiting the island as well yeah i think that's how we're going to achieve sustainability in the long term is by creating these networks mm-hmm. and uh, you know leveraging different strengths as you mentioned like um one place might have expertise in sustainable farming. Another place might have expertise in sustainable energy and, cre- you know, leveraging everyone's talents and creating this network of individuals. And I think it's amazing that you're doing that in Bali. And um, I'd hope to see that in, in the rest of the world as well. And I think we're definitely going to be moving towards that as we globally look towards mm-hmm. how we can um, operate more sustainably. And so looking ahead, what is your vision uh, for the future of tourism and and maybe more specifically for mana Mm. Um, for tourism sustainable tourism i do think for us to um, kind of going back to one of the first questions is really to prove that this model of sustainable hotel works right and so that's accomplishing the twin goals of financial sustainability and you know, kind of environmental sustainability. And it's, you know, that doing good actually helps economically, financially. Um, And so we, you know, we got out of the pandemic about a year and a half ago um, and things are going relatively well. Um, But those two years were tough, you know. (laughs) Uh, Tough is probably understatement um, for 
for us and, and, and most of the tourism industry. And so I think the next two years, two or three years, is really trying to prove that you know, kind of economic viability, um, I think, is, is a short-term goal. And I do, I do hope that, you know, we can, we can become one example, uh, one of the many, I would say, uh, to, to encourage people to think that, you know, the way term, tourism has been done for decades is not the only way. Uh, and engagement with local communities, you know, uh, being a steward of environmental conservation or you know, promotion of, of, of social justice. All these things can actually go hand in hand with tourism. And I think a lot of tourists and travelers are looking for, for that kind of uh, meaningful, responsible tourism these days. And, and I think less and less people want to come to Bali just to go on the Bali swing and you know, take a beautiful <laughs> Instagrammable photo yeah. and, and leave. You know? And I think that, that level of consciousness and awareness, I think, is, is increasing and changing. Uh, and I think so. I think there is increasing demand for that, and uh, and I and I do think the supply or the business side will also follow. Um, uh, yeah, stimulated by that that demand. Yeah, and uh, people I think are for sure looking for more meaningful experiences where they can connect with different cultures and mm-hmm. and contribute towards sustainability in their way as well. Mm-hmm. And. Um, kind of going back to the COVID thing, I'm curious, how did you adapt and, and work throughout COVID? What did that look like for you? Mm. Yeah, um, we're one of the, I guess, one of the business that was, you know, that was fortunate enough to have survived and, and a lot of business, you know, weren't able to survive. And we were able to because we had support from some uh, investors and donors. Um, but we were, you know, we officially opened in September 2019. So just six months before the world shut down. And so there, even though there was some domestic tourism, like during, you know, 2020, 2020 and 2021, um, but we were very, we were not known, right? We were just like this new business. Um, and so, yeah, it was really difficult. And I think the, the, one of the things that made it difficult was there were some businesses on the island that were doing okay. <laughs> there were a few restaurants um, that were still getting some, you know, tourist traffic, uh, mostly domestic, you know, tourists. And I think the existence of those, you know, you know thriving businesses during the pandemic kind of gave us, I don't know, like false hope or just like to think that, well, it's not, it's not impossible to, to make things work during the pandemic. But I do, I mean, I mean, for us as a small business that had just started, I think it was, it was a tremendous challenge. And, and so one of the things that we did was actually to, to um, expand our restaurants a little bit. Um, so when we first opened, we were a kind of a hotel with a small, like cafe. And then we kind of pivoted to become more of a restaurant with a hotel in the back um, during the pandemic, because we knew that there was some, you know, economic activity on the island, especially, you know, expats and and, Indonesians living in Bali, and we're still going out and, you know, ordering online or, or all these things. And so we thought, well, the hotel industry is it's basically shut down, but the you know the restaurant business is uh, still there's still hope in that, and so we kind of pivoted, and then that 
fortunately um, helped us, uh, you know, gain, you know, basically come uh, come out ahead when the when the pandemic uh, stopped. And so we still are fortunate to have, you know, um, you know, people coming into the restaurants uh, on a daily basis for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Uh, and some people don't actually know that there's a hotel behind the restaurant. Um, and oh. some people, some people know us for the, for the hotel. And so, yeah, it's a really mixed, um, yeah, uh, very different ways for people to engage. And I think that's, that's also, uh, I think a benefit for us. Yeah. So you just adapted to what was in demand at the time and, and worked as best as you could within those conditions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. And um, you've received a master's in public policy as well. And ha- has this background uh, influenced your approach at all in, in the way that you manage mana and the way that you go about uh, sustainability? Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, the public policy degree w- was uh, useful in, uh, in some ways. Um, but I mean, there's no direct kind of application of that to... Um, to the hotel business, for example. And I think it's more about you know, more kind of innovative mindset or okay. kind of a collaborative, collaborative mindset. And I mean, I think the, at the Harvard Kennedy school where I studied, uh, I would say about a third were, you know, came from the private sector, another third, you know, working, worked or working for the government. Another third were, you know, people like me engaged in, you know, international, development, sustainability, uh, you know, working for NGOs or things like that. And so um, it was really inspiring to be to be exposed to so many different kinds of people who are trying to make this world a better place, whether whether it be from the private private sector approach, whether from the government approach. And I and I think that has had an impact on me because, you know, I, I do think it's not just businesses that can save the world. And I do think, you know, every part of society, you know, and whatever role that you take can have a, you know, very positive, proactive impact on the world. Uh, And so that kind of collaborative mindset or ecosystem mindset, I think was definitely helpful um, from, from my kind of academic, yeah, training. Yeah. So it gave you a big picture um, view on the world, I guess, and understanding yeah. as well the interconnectedness yeah. of, of different parts of society. Yeah, and I think it's yeah, and also uh, I'm a generalist, right? And so I, um, I don't, I'm not a you know engineer that has very you know specific expertise in you know water, you know water design or you know or energy design, and I do, and do you think the, those expertise or you know. Specialization are very important, but I do think you know being a social entrepreneur is being a generalist. Uh, you have to be able to you know talk to different people to understand different things on a daily basis, and it's about you know connecting the dots and all these things. And you have to it's being adaptable learner as well. And so um, yeah, I, I do think there is some connection between kind of a kind of a generalist general education to uh, being a social entrepreneur as well. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of value in, in generalizations as well in identifying patterns and mm. you know being able to break the mold in that manner 
Uh, mm-hmm. I think with specialized knowledge, you you know, you know a lot about your niche, but it's difficult to connect it to other parts yeah. of the world and to understand the interconnectedness of what you know and what other people know. Um, yeah. And from you know that bigger picture lens, what sustainability challenges do you think are the most pressing for us in terms of like not even anything specific like scientific like i don't know ocean acidification but maybe things like how we collaborate or how different groups work together you know what's what do you think is stopping us as a society from becoming more sustainable at the moment mm. another another million dollar question <laughs> yeah um, yeah no no easy questions here um i think the <laughs> There, there are a few things that you know that are kind of popping in my mind right now as you ask that question. First one is um, this idea around outer sustainability and inner sustainability. Uh, there's a really great book called Regenerative Leadership that came out a few years ago, and it's it's you know it's I mean it's kind of self-explanatory. It's really creating leaders that have a regenerative mindset, uh, and one of the main theses of the book. Uh, is this idea of outer and inner sustainability. And the book talks about outer sustainability as things like sustainable finance, sustainable policy, sustainable technologies, right? These are all things that we as humanity, you know, have uh, kind of explored and tried to come up with in the last few decades. Uh, And some have been successful and others have not been. And and if anything, the world has probably gotten worse over the last few decades. Uh, And one thing that's happening is that a lot of people working on these outer sustainability initiatives is that people are burning out. Because the world is not getting better and because a lot of the outer sustainability work is not grounded in inner sustainability. Uh, and inner sustainability, according to that, that authors of this book, are things like creativity, play, art, well-being, consciousness, all these things. And so, um, you know, in, in a nutshell, it's really taking care of ourselves. You know, sustainability practitioners, leaders, you know, really, you know, having a good time, you know, while you're doing it uh, and not burning out is a really important uh, aspect of this, and and I often call it like the sustainability of sustainability, right? Right. With the, the people who are promoting these things, need to do it in a in a truly emotionally, spiritually sustainable way and physically sustainable way, because we're not going to be able to solve any of these things overnight. So it's it's not a sprint. Uh, if you if you go at it as if it's a hundred meter sprint, you will burnout very quickly uh, and so it's it's really more of a marathon and you need to figure out well how am I going to sustain my efforts uh, on many different levels uh, assuming that it's going to be going to take a few years a uh, few decades maybe even a few centuries right and so uh, and it might, these things are not going to be probably not going to be fixed by you know this generation and it's probably going to be you know, these problems that we have are going to be handed over into the next generation, uh, like yourself, Maya, or even to the next, the, further along to the next generation. I have four kids. And so, you know, I do think, you know, you know, my time on this, 
on this earth is limited and uh yeah we need to approach it in a much more longer term perspective yeah and as you were saying that i kind of got this picture in my head of like a long distance cycling race, but on those bikes where there's like multiple seats and multiple people pedaling at once. Tandem, right? Yeah. Tandem bikes. Yeah. We need to do it together. Right. Um, It's uh, yeah. And it's also a very lonely battle, right? You know, most entrepreneurs and social entrepreneurs also talk about that, you know, it it becomes a very lonely um, endeavor because yeah, it's very difficult for, you know, for other people to uh, to empathize with your empathize with your your craziness, uh, <laughs> and then you can't share all your um, problems with your team members, if especially if you're the if you're the boss. Um, and you know, no matter how far do you fight, you feel like the world is not improving. So there's so you're fighting against so many. Not fighting is probably not the right word, but you're you're you know trying to. To improve many things at the same time, and it's uh, it's much better to do it on in a tandem bike, and also think like it's gonna. It's also a relay, right? So yeah, you, you might not. You're probably not gonna finish the race, and you need to hand it off to to someone else. <laughs> yeah, very good visualization we've come up with, mm. and I think from that point of view as well, it's so important to have the. Well, two things. The first is that economic incentive for mm. people to want to start to be more sustainable because it benefits them as well. Um, you know, if we're all making losses, there's no way that we can promote sustainability. That just doesn't make sense for people who are looking to take care of their families and things like that. So we do yeah. need to create that incentive where it it makes sense to be more sustainable. And uh, yeah. in that way, we can not be alone in the race, but have more and more people joining in with the sustainability yeah. movement. And the second mm-hmm. thing is the creativity, the play, uh, yeah. you know, the art and and the spirituality of, of living mm-hmm. that we need to bring into this um, and not viewing it as kind of, uh, you know, a very robotic step-by-step process, but mm-hmm. something that is very wholesome, I guess, um, yeah. and, and meaningful and connects us back to the earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's totally true. And I often talk about how, you know, that the playfulness, the, the fun part is actually really overlooked. Yeah. And because if you if you see a group of people, let's say, on the street or in a school or wherever, uh, and they have a frown, you know, they're all frowning and look very serious, you're probably not going to go barge into that group and ask them what they're doing, right? You're probably just going to, Right. Right. Yeah. And if they are having, you know, if they're, you know, laughing and having a good time and they're dancing or singing, whatever, you're probably naturally going to be attracted to them and be like, okay, what are you guys up to? (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, and and I think that that goes for sustainability too. And and it's tough because, you know, the, yes, we're in a very critical situation. You know, there are some very urgent um situation that we need to figure out but that doesn't that doesn't mean we have to be too serious um and that's only going to repulse you know people away from from the activities and if we can and that that's probably kind of a an irony or oxymoron or you know this this gap you know we have to engage in something super serious but in a creative way and so that people actually think it's it's fun and enjoyable and exciting. Right. That's a very good point. And I think you're exemplifying that with Mana, 
because it's, you know, this hotel, this entertainment industry, but it's also sustainable and also taking care of the serious stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what we're, I guess, trying to do. <laughs> um, I think this, yeah, it's this idea of edutainment, right? It's not just the education piece, but there needs to be fun. There needs to be entertainment piece as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for this conversation. I have one last question for you, which I ask um, all the guests coming through this podcast, which you've kind of answered in, in the last few questions. But yeah. in one to two sentences, what is your best advice for individuals looking to make a change in their communities? Mm. Um, I think the first thing is to find something fun uh, that's good for you and for the world. Um, I think doing something that's boring and um, too serious is not going to last. And so make the, the, you know, the impact making stuff uh, a fun thing for you. And that will naturally become something sustainable. That will be my place. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. It was very insightful and awesome to see the work that you're doing with Mana. Thank you so much. Thank Maya, you for tuning and, in to this uh, episode yeah, of the Eat Your Greens podcast. Keep in touch and See you make next this time. world a better place together. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs>